0: he's already been dead and it's messed with his head it's john's post-life crisis welcome to john's post-life crisis i am john johnston founder of cornnation.com Your you're nebraska cornhusker site of calm in this sea of despair if i you know i hope so if i say it enough maybe i'll start believing it this episode, I'm joined by Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa football for The Athletic. And Iowa comes into this game with Nebraska on a three-game winning streak. They lost their first two games of the season to Purdue and Northwestern, and then they they really beat up on Michigan State, Minnesota, and Penn State in the last three games. Why, Scott? Why why the turnaround? Are, are they just Is this a sign that Iowa football is is playing well, or is this a sign that they played three really sad teams in a row?
1: I think both could be the same case, frankly. Uh, I I do think you almost have to look at it individually, and when you go back to the very beginning of the season, Purdue creates so many problems for Iowa's defense. It's really the only – team in the league that does this it makes iowa defend every blade of grass and it doesn't care about running the football so iowa which is a two two gap system defensively always struggles with purdue because purdue is so geared toward just airing it out and throwing it all over the place and when you have a david bell on the field then forget it uh penn's uh northwestern was the typical iowa northwestern game it was a slugfest i dare say though if seven If they're up 17 to nothing at home with 70,000 people there, it might have had a different outcome. But Iowa has a young quarterback which same thing we saw this weekend with the Graham Mertz uh, from Wisconsin against Northwestern. You know, Iowa, um, you know, played well, especially defensively. And, you know, 21-20 lost and interceptions, three interceptions by the quarterback really cost them. And then the last three weeks you saw a team that got better and Iowa, that's why Iowa always plays a team like Northern Illinois or Western Michigan to start because they just build towards the start of the season. And, and uh, you know, I do think that Michigan state, Penn state and, and Minnesota, at least on one side of the ball are, are sad sacks, but <laughs> at the same time, Iowa is playing well, they're running the football. Well, they've got a great defense and, uh, you know, they, they, they've got one problem area, it's quarterback. If that thing was solved or if they had Nate Stanley again, uh, they would be probably a top 10 team, I think. Wait, Iowa a top 10 team. If Nate Stanley was there or if they had a better quarterback, because I think they would have won those first two games and then they'd okay. be five and O oh and, and that, I don't think three and two gets you in the top 10 or anywhere near it. But, but I do think that, that one position is a huge detriment. And I thought, you know, everybody talked about how oh you got to replace a guy who threw 68 touchdowns and that's a big deal and I just thought Spencer Petrus would be a little bit better.
0: So what is the deal with him? I mean, I've watched the Northwestern game, Iowa game. I do like watching Big 10 football. I like watching other teams, even the the rock fight that is Northwestern football on a weekly basis mostly because they execute well, you know, their defense is excellent. Uh, What is the deal with Spencer Petras? I, he's, he's looked kind of well streaky. Let's go with streaky.
1: Yeah. He's, he's very, very inconsistent. And, and I think part of it is, you know, there, there are a couple of issues. One, he locks on to receivers. He's he's the speed of the game seems a little too fast for him. And uh, he, he's been inaccurate. Now I'll say this. His last game was probably his best because he was a game manager. He hadn't even been that in his first couple of games. And so that's really created some issues because Iowa actually has some decent receivers. So that makes it a an, an issue for the Hawkeyes that um, that you know, a couple of years ago, they didn't have any now they actually do. And, and, you know, he's forcing the ball to the middle of the field a little too often, but you know, can he grow? Can he make those strides? You know, I don't know yet. I, I'm, I'm not going to go and say, yes, he's got, he's going to be there. Cause by gosh, he's going to get there. And no, I'm not going there. I think he's, I think he's okay. Um, I think he's, he's still got some room to improve and if he can get there, then this team's going to be very formidable. in every game it faces is the rest of the way.
0: So, Tyler Goodson's already got 453 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, can, can Iowa ride him? I mean, we're talking about the season right now, not, not this Nebraska game. We'll get to that too, in a minute. But can Iowa just ride Tyler Goodson, or is there more to the offense?
1: Yeah, it's him and Makai Sargent. They're kind of a one-two punch. I mean, Makai's at over 300 yards rushing as well. He had 100 yards last week. And and they've been a really nice one-two punch. And really, this zone scheme that it really created a lot of issues for Iowa. In the offseason, people were really wondering if, if they need to punt on this because it just gotten stale. Well, they livened it up with certain different kinds of looks and formations and uh, movements and now it's, it's operating at a level that hasn't been seen for a while here. I mean, because they they've now crossed 175 yards in four out of their five games. They're very, very physical. They're hitting their reach blocks. And a lot of that is before they didn't have a lot of motion, um, it, you know, pre-snap motion, at least from jet sweeps or, or even tight ends. Now they're incorporating more jet sweep motion, which is holding the linebackers at that second level and forcing them to watch just a little bit longer. And then they're having a little more backside blocks uh, by tight ends and fullbacks. And it's enabled this running game to really take off because they've got two of the better players at their positions in the country and Alaric Jackson at left tackle and Tyler Linderbaum, who I will argue is the best center in the country. Um, And then you have other pieces that are pretty good plus two you know, pretty good running backs. I mean, Tyler Goodson is very dynamic. I mean, he's, he's as good as Iowa's had at that position a long time. He's, You know, Akram Wadley was really good, and, and he, Tyler's not quite as quick as he is, but he's, he's stronger and more physical, and he really uh, punishes defenders. And then Mekhi Sargent's a little bit bigger, and he's played for a few years now for Iowa. So I like this one-two punch. I think their running game is, is capable of, of winning – Um, it's just, can the quarterback prevent himself from making mistakes? Cause, uh, you know, they've got a couple of difficult challenging matchups. I would argue the rest of the way.
0: So I'm going to take this directly out of the, the game notes, but, uh, the Hawkeyes feature one of the big 10 stingiest defenses, allowing just 319.8 yards and 16 points per game. In its three-game winning streak, Iowa has limited the opponents to 11.7 points per game, less than 12. The Hawkeyes rank in the top 20 nationally in rushing defense, pass efficiency defense, total defense, and scoring defense. Defense on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Northwestern isn't an offensive juggernaut. Purdue has, you know... Rondell Moore didn't play against Iowa. They, you mentioned David Bell. Minnesota's the offense can put up some yards, but they really they haven't played an offense that's that good. Is this a thing where that's the case that they really haven't faced a decent offense or is, is the a Hawkeye defense really as good as the show notes give me the sense for?
1: You know, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's arguable if you, if they were to play in Iowa state or in Indiana or Ohio state that I, you know, I'd be anxious to see how they compete. I do think uh, Purdue again exposed them a little bit and Rondell Moore was not there, but David Bell's a freak. He's, he's really good. And, and, and I will also say that Iowa was out of sorts and that was again, those first games. that's why, I have to argue with everybody around here in Iowa land that this is why you don't play Alabama first. This is why you don't go to Texas and go play Texas A&M first and in uh, cowboy land. You know, you, what you do is they have to try to figure out ways to, to f- just to get on balance and, and their defensive you know, their defensive uh, strategy and the, the communication wasn't on par that day. It has grown by leaps and bounds since the first week against Purdue. So, um, you know, they lost an, an All-American pass rusher and A.J. Epineza. That was a big concern coming in. Right. They have gotten good. I mean, they've, they've grown. They've gotten better. In the back end, they lost two NFL guys. The guys on NFL rosters, one starting, Michael Ojemudia and Geno Stone. They had a lot of miscommunication in the opener, and it cost them dearly against David Bell. But they've really gotten better, and they've you know now they're you know interceptions wise they've got ten. Uh, you know they've had a I think this is the twelfth or thirteenth game in a row they've had an interception. So they've been able to you know kind of pull everything together defensively. Now if they were to play. I'll say Indiana because let's let's say that's that's a likely potential matchup the last week of the crossover challenge or whatever we would call it. You know, Michael <laughs> Penix is gonna create some problems for him, no doubt about it. But I don't, also don't think they're gonna get drug up and down the field. I think they'll make some plays. So um, this is a good defense. You know, it's it doesn't have the superstar it did in A.J. Epineza or Josie Jewell a few years back, but although I would argue Davion Nixon is as good as they come, but I do think this is a pretty good defense. Have you been watching a lot of college football? Yeah, sure. I covered a couple of Iowa State games, and then, uh, you know, I watch it pretty much every week. So
0: is it just me, or teams seem to be all over the board? You know, maybe not a Clemson or the top teams in the nation, but let's, let's not look at Nebraska right away, but let's say Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's defense and the Illinois' defense – Uh, had looked like non-existent at times and then minnesota this last week against purdue they looked like they played defense and illinois i don't know if they played defense against nebraska or nebraska just fell down all the time but you know there seems to be a lot of a roller coaster with the emotions or the ways the teams are approaching games this year do you get that sense or is it
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think in the Big Ten in particular, it's been a really rough go. I mean, you know, teams like – like, let's look at the the team that Nebraska just beat and Iowa just beat, Penn State. Um, This is a team that I thought – you know, I mean, going into the season, they're ranked number eight, and they had enough personnel. And then Micah Parsons drops out. They get injured. You know, Jurnee Brown can't play. Uh, You know, Noah King is hurt for the season. Sean Clifford regresses. And all of a sudden – and then they had like what I call like an NFL schedule where sometimes they – what the NFL does is they'll match good teams or playoff teams against playoff teams right off the bat. And then all of a sudden you're 0-2 and you're pressing. And then, you you know – and in their case, they lost up by an inch or a fraction of an inch against Indiana. Then they play Ohio State in week two. They're 0-2. Their whole season is shot for them because they had – they were geared towards the playoff. And if they thought, well, if we lose a close one to Ohio State, about you run the table, then you get in the playoff anyway, or you get close to it, that's over. And then they they apparently just laid down for Maryland. That's kind of the, what I got out of that. And then uh, they still seem slumped against uh, you know Nebraska for a half, and then Iowa just pulverized them because Iowa's much more physical than they are. And and so now they're zero five in a year where you're going. No way. They've never been 0-5 before. And then they're no, you know, and then you look around the Big Ten and Michigan looks like world beaters against Minnesota, then loses to, to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State looks like, okay, maybe they're not so bad. And then they come to Iowa City and get beat 49 to seven uh, Minnesota lost a lot on defense. I mean that everybody overlooks that kind of component. It's like, Oh, well they got Rashad Bateman and they got Mo Abraham and they got Tanner Morgan and they're, they're going to be top 15 again. No, you got to look at the defense too, once in a while. And unfortunately people in my industry overlook that quite a bit. So yeah, there's been a lot of inconsistency. Uh, I will say that Northwestern to its credit played defense last year, had no offense. They went out. They signed a free agent at quarterback, uh, and voila! You know they look. You know they've done all the right moves because they they were able to put together like at Iowa when they're down seventeen to nothing. They put together a sixteen and a fourteen play drive that just doesn't happen with magic. I mean they you know that's their quarterback being smart, being physical, being disciplined, all those things that they do intangibly so well, and they're able to, to translate it to the football field and play the same level of defense they did last year. You just didn't see it because it was three yards in and in a cloud of rubber filament for them, you know, on purpose possession. So, um, yeah, I think everybody has struggled in this era except Northwestern. <clears throat> and I think right now, I mean, you know, even Iowa State, it's leading the Big Twelve they looked horrible in that opener against Louisiana and they got beat 31, 14. And here they are now on the cusp of their first ever big, big 12 title appearance. If they can go to Texas and win on black Friday.
0: So as a, as a Nebraska guy, I mean, we start out with Ohio state, we look good for about a half, you know, and everybody's like, Hey, this is a much better team. And you feel good because it's Ohio state, even though they slaughter us, we look "Eh, better. And then uh, the next game, you look at Northwestern, six trips to the red zone, 13 points. But if we'd have scored any, you know, we could have beat them. That's the kind of the attitude, right? Okay, we look better. And then this last week, against Illinois. It's the horrible. I mean, it had to be one of the worst games I've ever seen Nebraska play. Uh, you, you mentioned before we started recording, you watched that game. When you look at Nebraska, what do you see?
1: Oh, I don't want to be too harsh here, but I look at a team that's that's really – it's struggling to find an identity and it's really struggling to to catch up to how can you be successful in the pot in which you sit. And I think right now that's – for Nebraska – you don't ever have to aspire to be Iowa or Wisconsin or Northwestern or any of those teams. That's the aspirations are out the window. What you have to do is how do we beat those teams? Because you've got to play them every year and that's line of scrimmage football. And that's be tough against the run. Now, I know Bo Pelini, uh, you know, he's, uh, nobody liked him when he was there. They're glad he's gone. And I know there's some people now saying, oh, I wish I had him back. No, you don't. You don't really wish you had him back. <laughs> but what you do wish is when I look back at 2014 and 15 Nebraska, and you had Valentine and you had Malik Collins and Middleton, you had a formidable front wall that was tough to run on. And that's what I think they, where they need to start is run the ball, stop the run. Now you can run it any way you want. You can run it with a a gap pin and pull techniques, the way Wisconsin does it. You can do it with a zone scheme like Iowa. You can do it with a zone read, which what Scott Frost likes to do. That's fine, but you have to be physical on both ends of the line of scrimmage, play disciplined, sound defense. Northwestern does it. Iowa does it. Wisconsin does it. Nebraska doesn't. Nebraska hasn't done it for a long, long time. Then, if you can do all of those things, that's when the differences come in for skill position players that they could come in and tip the balance. Okay. I have a four-star wide receiver who's Omar Manning and looks like a Greek God or, or you have a quarterback like Luke McCaffrey, who could do all these great things. You know, Wandale Robinson, you, you have all those pieces if you can do everything else, because you look at Northwestern. Yeah. There's not an offensive player that scares you. You look at even Wisconsin, they don't have a running back like Jonathan Taylor or Melvin Gordon. You look at Iowa, and yeah, they've got a few good players, but they don't have anybody that scares you offensively, at least in those skill positions. But they will punch you in the face repeatedly, play after play after play. And after a while, you get tired of it. That's what I look at Nebraska, and I go, they can't do that. I mean, I was even just compiling last five years. Iowa's five years straight against Nebraska, just for preview purposes this week. Iowa's run for more than 1,200 yards, Nebraska's run for 600. I mean, you have a 600-yard difference in over five games, Three, 6.2 yards per carry, 3.4. That's, that shows up in the win column. Even if the games are close, that shows up in the win column. So I look at Nebraska, and I think you no matter what you want to do, you have to do that. If you can do that, then you can take the next step is how do we, if we're solidified here, how can we be better than the other teams? So I, I don't think they've gotten to the square one yet.
0: Adrian versus Luke.
1: <laughs> what do you think of that? I I think Luke's your guy, but I also think why not, you know, and, and maybe I, I'm not contradicting myself here, but why not make Adrian Martinez a running back? Get him on the field. Wandale Robinson on the field at the same time as Luke McCaffrey on the field at the same time. You could do so many different things things to confuse people because if you do have a quarterback playing running back you know who says you can't have two or three or five pitch passes a game you know somebody like that just changes can change the dynamics and if you have both of them lining up side by side in the shotgun you can do some dynamic things I like Luca McCaffrey as the quarterback I think he can do more of what you want to do in that offense but Uh, because he can pass mainly. I think that he's a little bit better passer, but that said, I think Adrian Martinez is too good of an athlete to leave off the field. So I would make sure I get him in somehow. I wouldn't just sit him on the sidelines, but can they do that? I don't know. That's probably more your purview than mine.
0: (laughs) I, I, I think it's a, I wonder if it's a, it's really a case of, of wanting to do it. I, you know, Bo Pelini had a problem in that his defense wasn't. He wasn't going to ever change his defense. Anytime he was asked about any scheme changes or anything like that, he he would always say that. Well, my schemes aren't a problem. My defense isn't and isn't a problem. And then you know Melvin Gordon would rip off 408 yards in three quarters against him, right. and that wasn't a one time thing. That was kind of like, come on, man, could you not do this? And every time you face somebody with a really good running offense, they. Uh, I wonder if, I guess I look at it and I think Scott Frost misjudged two things. He number one, you've mentioned it, he's misjudged what that it took it takes at the minimum really good offensive and defensive line play to succeed in the Big Ten, and we didn't have that. And I st- we're working on it, but we still don't have it. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's he's when he was hired, he said, "Well, the Big Ten will adjust to us," and I think he's slowly learning that. You know, that's really neat to say, but <laughs> it's really hard to do. So uh, I, I'd like to see him put both Luke and Adrian on the field at the same time. I mean, what we have right now it seems to be surprising to me. I mean, we have a lot of good young players, but they're sparingly used. Xavier Betts, for example, looks very fast, looks very good, but then he only sees the ball three times. You know, you know, you've got Wandale, and he's a proven production player. And it goes from, like, he's not seeing the ball to we're going to kill him mm-hmm. running the ball. So I I don't know what he's doing. It's not consistent. And like you mentioned, there's no offensive identity to this team whatsoever. So, yeah.
1: I mean, I like the skill position players. I think if you were to remove a Wandale Robinson and you put him at Wisconsin or Iowa or, or Ohio State, I think he fits in and does a good job. I think Xavier Betts has an opportunity. I know a lot of people wanted him in high school, and I think he's got an opportunity to be a really good player. And Adrian Martinez and some role, I think, same thing. And Luke McCaffrey, but you've got to you've got to meet the minimum standard. And 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 maybe it's a. It's a really tough spot, I think, for everybody connected with that program, fans, media, the program, because there's a, a desire more than any other team in America to be good and be relevant, and it's not there, and you want the quick fix. It's always the quick fix. It's always, we've turned the corner, we've turned the corner, and it's like, no, you haven't. Take it incrementally, because if you it would have been incremental, <laughs> now you would be in a position where... Okay, you feel like okay, you can you can play slam ball with Iowa and Wisconsin and Northwestern, and maybe you win, maybe you lose, but you feel like you're on that same level, and that's not quite the case right now. And and so I look at um, you know that, you know, somewhat the the hubris, whether it's Bill Moose and you know, complaining about the schedule you're dealt, and, and <laughs> Lord knows, look at Penn State. I mean <laughs> they're 0-5, you know. Uh, and you look at you know, you didn't even get to play Wisconsin. So I think that's, uh, you know, Scott Frost saying they're going to have to adjust to us. I know that's stuff you, you kind of feed your fan base and right. get them excited and, you know, the plaudits and stuff. But I think it's now's now's the time, I think, for everybody to just shut your mouth, move on, because uh, right. otherwise people are going to kind of rub it in your face every time you fail. And we saw that with Illinois with a tweet over the weekend. Saw last year with Indiana, was really upset and because, well, when you when you complain that we shouldn't have to play Ohio State every year, we should play the Indiana's more often. And then Indiana comes and smacks you in the mouth. And yeah, they're they're not gonna take kindly to that. They're you know, it's just the history is of Indiana and Illinois with Nebraska is not the same as K State, KU, Iowa State, and you know, they don't have those century old, you know, poundings. To, to recall the fan base they don't you know that all they have is what's happened the last 10 years so
0: you have a well-disciplined team led by the longest tenured coach in FBS against probably the youngest team in America still mm-hmm. and a coach who's still trying to find his way do we even need to talk about what's going to happen in the Nebraska Iowa game on Friday or I mean is that sum it up
1: I think (laughs) if you bear it all down, I think that's what you got. But, you know, what I've tried to do is, you know, it's easy for what I've seen the last few weeks to say, okay, this is an uneven matchup. However, how can it not be? Because I think a couple of years ago it was an uneven matchup. I think last year was an uneven matchup, but how did it become close? Well, I think that's where if field position plays a role, I think that's where if Iowa – runs for three yards, three yards, three yards, and punts, I think if that's where there's an interception or turnover, if the quarterback looks bad for Iowa, then Nebraska could make it a game, and then if you make it a game, and you get in the second half, and the next thing you know, you got last second field goals, which you did the last few years, even though Iowa, what, outrushed Nebraska, you know, they had 266 yards two years ago, 225 last year, even when you dominate the ground game, it becomes a close game, and and it, it's an important series, I think, for both teams. Um, Iowa has a century-old rivalries with Wisconsin and, and Minnesota, which carry more weight, per se. But, but that said, it's it's a neighborly matchup. And, and I think Nebraska, after losing five straight, wants to win. You know, it's a symbol of victory, and it's something that they can hang their hat on. They can say, okay, we won this game. And I, so I, I do think it matters to both teams, both programs.
0: Can we, can we blame the Iowa or the Illinois debacle on us looking ahead to Iowa?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that one, but yeah, you probably could. I think it's the first play of the game where you get a a forward pass. that's called a a lateral and uh, then kind of puts you on your heels right away. But no, I, I, I don't think if Iowa loses, you could say they're looking ahead to Illinois. (laughs) Although there is some, there is some tenacity there too. I mean, it's, that series, uh, if it was in basketball, it would be all over the place. But
0: <laughs> I think 10 years into this, Nebraska and the Big Ten thing, we still haven't understood the fact that this is going to be a uh, – every week this conference is going to beat itself to death. And I I think Nebraskans honestly are still we, – we still look back and we go, well, we beat everybody up in the Big Eight for all those years. I mean, I'm an older guy, and that's how I see it. And it's it's not like that. It's It's a very – you know, in every sport, it's a very competitive conference. And I, we need to accept that on a certain level. Um, and I, I'm not sure, you know, how far or, or at what point we're just going to start doing that. So
1: it's probably when you start to win. You know, if you could win some of these games and, and uh, feel good about yourselves, it's hard to feel good about yourselves when you've lost the most recent game to every single team in your division. You know, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, when you've lost seven straight to Wisconsin, five straight to Iowa, two straight to Purdue, you've, you've lost the most recent games to Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota, then, it, then you switch over, Indiana, Michigan, you know, Ohio State. Okay, I mean, you're piling I'm on. Sorry, man. sorry. But no, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just you're now you're starting to go boy, at least in the old neighborhood, we knew those teams. We knew those places. We had those histories and traditions and and this place isn't quite as good as it once was, or it doesn't feel that way. And that's really unfortunate and sad because yeah, I think everybody understands the tradition that Nebraska has. And that's the main reason why it got in the big 10, you know, to kind of come in and, and have some memorable games, you know, whether they win or lose doesn't really matter. Just, Okay, you know, you're playing Iowa on Black Friday with a chance to win the West Division title. That's kind of what I think people were really wanting, or the Legends Division title even going farther back. That hasn't happened. And then for either team for that matter. But you know, that those are the things that people want to to bring, you know, because is there a memory from the last from this 10 year period that you're going, yeah, I remember when we did that? There isn't. And now volleyball has been awesome. You know, this is the best league in America. It's not close. And seeing some of those Penn State Nebraska matchups has been fantastic. But I think we're I think everybody's waiting for this to happen. And until it does, it it's you're kind of left with uh yeah, maybe we should have just stayed. <laughs> and that's really too bad. Well,
0: I think the the memory the Nebraskans have is the uh the last game, uh, your kicker taunting us. <laughs> at the end of the game. So, I'm hoping the Nebraska players remember that site and and take it to heart and we actually see a good football game this Friday. Uh I don't think I'll ask you for a prediction because I don't know. It's yeah, it's early in the week. That's it.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh I I mean, you know, again, I I could see the scenarios to where Nebraska keeps it close and then if it gets into that fourth quarter situation where okay, where I've seen this happen before is Iowa, Iowa state when Iowa state was not as good when Paul Rose was there and some other coaches were there and there's an emotional, uh, emotional difference between the two teams. And when it got close in the fourth quarter, that's where things changed for um, Iowa state really kind of pulled would pull through that said, I don't see that with Iowa right now. I mean, they have been, They've gone through a lot. You know, this summer was very difficult for this program and for the, the players, the fan base, everybody. And for them to go through that in that kind of investment and lose their first two games, very heartbreaking fashion, and one of the best players gets an OWI the very next day, there was an opportunity for this program to really just fall on its face and go and be what Penn State is right now. Right. Instead, it really – gathered itself it played hard it played for its coach which you know there's a lot of questions whether it would do that and uh and it's played well it's played as well as it has in a long time so i don't see the emotional drop off on this team like they're going to come out flat or whatever but i can see mistakes being a, a difference maker so you know predictions i don't like to make those especially this early yet but i mean i do think i was the better team and right. uh but i do think that Nebraska has a chance to hang in there because the last two years have been, you know, really impressive to me, the way Nebraska has played and played hard. And, and you got, if you play hard and you play smart and you do fundamental things, right. You put yourself in that opportunity. And if, if they could do all those things and still fall short, I think you still got to tip your cap and say, okay, you know, at least they went out and they played hard and played better than they did against Illinois. Let's put it that way.
0: that's 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 what i'm hoping for honestly uh all right thank you for joining me we'll end there and uh thanks for the insight on iowa and nebraska and the big 10 you have a good happy thanksgiving
1: yeah happy thanksgiving to you too it's been a pleasure to be on and and uh i think we're all we all say this where we i think if an approving Nebraska is better for the big 10 as a whole. And uh, we I think we're all under that hope going forward.
0: But there you go. That's a nice thought. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This has been John's post-life crisis. Go Big Red and thank you for listening and happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there too.